Hello and welcome to another episode of 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. This is episode 44. Today is Tuesday, September 11th, 2012. I am one of your hosts, Scott Barstow. And I am the other of your hosts, Anders Brownworth. On today's show, we wanted to talk about cyber terrorism in particular, and it's uh, a bit apropos that we talk about cyber terrorism on the anniversary of 9-11. And just quickly, Anders, I'd love to get just in one minute or less, where were you and what were you doing when that all went down? Well, I used to work in the World Trade Center. Uh, I wasn't working there that day. Uh, I was on my way into New York City, and I essentially turned around and went back home and saw the plane fly into the second tower. So it was it was obviously, you know, in New York at the time, it was a, a pretty, uh, pretty uh, amazing thing where I felt like New York was a good day or so step ahead of the rest of the country and understanding what the uh, the impact of that whole thing was it was it was quite a quite an interesting time no question yeah i remember i was yeah i was at uh i was working out of the house and got a phone call from somebody this would have been i this was yeah i was working out of the house probably and i'd been working out of the house for probably five or six months at that point and somebody called me and said, you need to turn on your TV. I turned on the TV and just sat there for the next two hours or three hours, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Just absolutely stunned. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Then I went into uh, New York and, of course, downtown Manhattan was locked off. And I had servers in a server farm down there and they were running on a generator and we couldn't bring in fuel for the generator. So about a week later, we started losing our machines. Right. Um, so it was it was it was an interesting scenario. But uh, yeah. then coming back, it, you know, see this big smoldering pile. I, I went and I saw it, and they, and they very quickly switched to I don't ever want to see this again. Um, you know, I was just looking forward to them rebuilding something, and I knew they would. It took a little longer than I thought it would, but yeah. I'm very happy to see something new there. Yeah, absolutely. The so on in the uh, in the wake of uh, the anniversary of nine eleven yesterday, we had a pretty interesting incident on the internet where GoDaddy's DNS servers were attacked. At least yeah. that that was the that was the scuttlebutt yesterday that there was a there was an attack by the group Anonymous in uh, in lieu of GoDaddy's support of the SOPA legislation earlier in the year. They had made a pledge when GoDaddy came out in support of that legislation that at some point they would exact their revenge. And it was postulated yesterday that it was their attack. GoDaddy, of course, uh, today said that it, in fact, was not a hacker's attack, uh, but rather they had an in, a catastrophic internal system failure. So uh, a f- couple of questions for you. One, I think it would be helpful to explain – what DNS is and what it does, and then why yesterday's attack, uh, the ripple effect of yesterday's attack or incident was so widely felt. Yeah, so DNS is, uh, the domain name system, is a uh, distributed, it used to be one company uh, you would go through, or one organization you would go through to register a name. That's been decentralized. Now there are many companies 
of which GoDaddy is one. There are many others. Uh, there's there's Namecheap, there's Joker, there's there's a, a ton of them. But they uh, they uh, create records in the very top level of the domain name system that says, for example, Anders.com is the name service for Anders.com exists at you know some IP address 1.2.3.4. So that's all they do. They they now. GoDaddy has many other businesses and trying to do web hosting and email and I'm sure a mountain of other things that you probably don't need, but somehow people are coerced into buying these things. And the structure of this system uh, is decentralized in one sense, but it is certainly a top-down system. And what we see here is an attack where the node that handles uh, resolution of converting a, a site into a, or a domain name uh, into an IP address has been compromised. And it's, it does point out one of what you might consider the weaknesses of the Internet. And it's actually inherent in the protocols that the Internet uses. This is not anything new. This is very well understood. And it is a... Uh, it's essentially a byproduct of a decision early on to allow the network to continue working without one centralized uh, control point. Uh, the fact that you can do a distributed denial of service, for example, you know, and, and that, that attack vector is basically firing off many, many, many different machines on the Internet, uh, firing off some kind of legitimate-looking request at a target and just overwhelming the target with an enormous number of requests. Now, they're saying some kind of internal failure. Maybe there's, maybe that has credence, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. Uh, but it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility for this to be an attack. And this kind of attack can be levied at anyone, any entity on the internet. And the reason there's such a big ripple effect here is because GoDaddy has a lot of customers. And yeah. if you try to go look up somebody's website and you don't already have a record for it, uh, you don't know where to go, you're going to go where you go to find anything out. And those are the root servers on the Internet. And the root servers uh, rely on, on GoDaddy's servers to tell, to tell you where to go for these websites. And, and in this case, it seems that sites that have that were using GoDaddy as their DNS hosting provider were effectively wiped off the internet not because they were shot down per se but because the ability for you to find them has been knocked offline yeah. um, so when this first started yesterday, what was interesting, it was I was following the news and it seemed to, you know, this one particular was a Twitter post by a user called Anonymous3 or something like that. I don't remember the exact yeah. name, but he, he basically said, you know, here we go. And, you know, not long after he posted that, the this is why I think it's suspect that GoDaddy's trying to make us believe that it was some sort of internal system failure because the timing between that Twitter post and GoDaddy dropping offline was uh, remarkably yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, very close. Yeah, and the, the other thing is, like, I'm, I don't discount the fact that there may be some kind of systemic uh, systems failure, but that probably didn't show itself until right there was a big attack underway. I mean, that's right. That's yeah, and I think it, it, it yeah it makes sense just the way and for how long it was offline. Uh, it was hours. 
you know, before they recovered yesterday. Yeah. And it just didn't make sense that, you know, if I can't believe that GoDaddy's, they've been doing this a long time. And, yeah. and I, I find it hard to believe that they would have some issue that would cause it to go offline for that long. But well, regardless, I, I, the, you know, I don't know. I do too. But the, but in the end of the day, GoDaddy is like, it's, it's a, it's a horrible business. It's a, it's a very seedy kind of a company. They're, you know, dealing with the drive. I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a domain through GoDaddy. You get accosted by offers and this and that and the other thing. And it's just a horrible, it seems to be, you know, duct taped together. You look at the website and you get that idea. It's, it is just overload. Uh, it just makes you want to stab your eyes out. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I do think that uh, those two are, those are probably independent thoughts. Yeah. The fact that it, that they're, you know, the company itself is, not, uh, not without its challenges from a moral standpoint. Uh, probably, I, you know, I think they've been at it long enough that they've probably got pretty stellar systems in place. Yeah, I don't I know. would guess. <laughs> so I don't think the fact yeah. that you hate their domain signup no, process no, no. has I anything just think, to do with how I think it's you know, a it's a together. Yeah, I think it's a slap shot kind of a business on the outside. So for it not to be a slap shot business on the inside is kind of a big stretch. That's all. Okay. So what's what's interesting for me is that let's say this attack was a, was an anonymous attack and it was in response to GoDaddy's support of yeah SOPA of SOPA which uh, everybody at the time was stunned they were one of the probably you know two or three internet companies that everybody looked at and said what in the world are you thinking by supporting that legislation and I wonder if if this was an attack. And the the ripple effect of this taking you know literally millions of websites offline and affecting I had a, I had a guy uh, call me yesterday and said man my site has been offline for four or five hours and it's killing me and yeah. he had the unfortunate uh, double whammy of having his email hosted at GoDaddy so he couldn't get mail either yeah. And so, you know, good. he's scrambling trying to contact his customers and had no way to email them and wasn't getting inbound mail in. And it was just a complete mess. Yeah. So there's two ways to think about that. One is it's just completely out of line to do it. And what were they thinking? But I, but I have to imagine if it was anonymous, what they're hoping is that by these millions of businesses or millions of websites going offline for some period of time that what will happen as a, on the backside of that is that these companies will move their business away from GoDaddy. Yeah. So the question is like, what do you do in this scenario? Yeah. You know, and, and, and of course, uh, if you're running a business on the internet, you have many services. There's, there's obviously DNS and web and email and, you know, probably others, uh, it, it just so happens that Twitter, because it's separate, happens to be a great place to let people know that you're down. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, generally your email might be uh, uh, served from the same place that your website is. So the right thing to do, I would think, if you're a company, is really just look into, understand the infrastructure, realize that you have ways to distribute what you're doing, get a, get the idea in your head that building anything monolithically has inherent risks. And then building anything in a very distributed manner is inherently more complicated. Yeah. And it's a trade-off and you got to make it as a business. Um, yeah. And know. I think you have to be prepared to let your customers know 
look, in the event of an outage, you can find out what's going on here, here, and here. Yeah, go and, here. And, you know, yeah. that might be Twitter. You might be able to go to our Facebook page. You know, we'll post updates to these five places, and one of them is almost guaranteed to be up. Yeah. And I think, you you know, a few probably four or five years ago, you wouldn't have had the option of posting something on Twitter and having anybody care about it at all. Yeah. You know, but now you have that luxury. So I think that's a logical place to say, look, we know we're having a problem. You can also, obviously, if the phones are ringing, you can put a message on there and say, look, we know we have a problem and those kinds of things. You can take kind of the standard steps that you would take. But I think Facebook and Twitter are logical places to say, look, uh, we know there's something going on and we're doing our best. Here's what we know about it. Whatever those, you know, whatever you need to communicate, those platforms are more than likely going to stay up. And I think what's interesting about those two in particular is that they have not, I don't know that there's any sort of, they don't have a bullseye on their chest from organizations like Anonymous, where I think Twitter in particular is probably seen as a very much a friend of the internet. I don't know that Facebook would probably share that same status, but yeah. Twitter for sure would be a place that, you know, they run their company as being very open and, uh, you know, their data access is open and all of those kinds of things. Facebook has a tent has, is a bit more of a walled garden. Yeah, true. So, so I think it's, it's reasonable to believe that, uh, your customer unprompted might go check out Twitter yep. to see whether or not if they can't get to your website and email is bouncing or it's not going through, or you're not hearing anything or you're not even able to call, right? Twitter is, is probably a place to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. So, um, well, you know, we had these guys from Anonymous get arrested. There was three or four guys, you remember, a few months back that yeah. got arrested. And I'm wondering what your, what's your opinion of, you know, this sort of activity. Obviously, if it's state-sponsored, that's pretty obvious. And we know that's happening. We know the Chinese and the Iranians and whoever else are, you know, conducting whatever nefarious activity. And I'm sure we're doing the same thing to them. So, but on a, on a, you know, when it's affecting commercial interests, what do you think the, what do you think ought to be done to, you know, guys and or girls that launch these kind of attacks? Yeah. The question is really who, who's the cops? Who are the cops in these situations? And we certainly have had an answer to that in, in uh, days of your days long, long past. Uh, But we, we have less of a good answer for it in the, uh, internet connected world. Obviously, it's going to take some time for law enforcement organizations to react to this and and kind of get they, they've been doing so. But I mean, they've still got a long way to go. I don't know that I would advocate building a brand new, you know, I don't know, cybersecurity, whatever. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But the the most important thing, of course, is to realize that it is a very legitimate attack vector at this point. It can do very serious damage to a successful attack and do very serious damage to an economy of a country. There's no question about that. We've had some undersea cables cut in the Middle East and and there were there were huge implications for that from that. And so so I think it's a uh, the law enforcement organizations have to, be up to speed and and understand what the risks are. And I, I think the military has probably gone quite a ways into doing that and understanding that. 
but I think uh, the the uh, organizations that uh, that deal with uh, law enforcement have to be trained and brought up to speed and, and understand what the what the new playing field is. Um, it's important to remember that uh, the protocols of the internet are inherently attackable in some very well understood and common ways. And it's not that you can, and then unfortunately, there's been this huge uh, industry that's spawned up over the years of people building uh, firewalls how that will magically, you know, if you put this thing in the way, it'll magically protect you and everything will be fine. And, and you know, maybe maybe it does in some cases and other things it, it uh, complicates things and, and still others. I've seen some implementations of firewalls where the firewalls have been put in and then effectively rendered neutral because the service behind it needed to have the kind of access this firewall wasn't able to effectively, you know, sanitize. Right. Uh, so, so there's there's been this snow job in the business community, and there's there's a lot of confusion about what can and can't happen. Uh, a lot of confusion about what what people can actually do when they get in. But for the most part, excluding you know Iranian uh, centrifuges. Most of these vectors are very, very rudimentary and basic and well understood and really just, you know, low hanging fruit kind of things. Uh, the, the targeted attack is relatively rare. And at the end of the day, it's really a lot of social engineering and, and a lot of people just being stupid about how they manage their uh, data and, and what doors they have open and all. Yeah, I think in particular, the brute force attacks like distributed denial of service, I mean, there's just so little that you can do with that. At some, You can bleed some of the traffic off. Yeah. But at some point, you know, if there's enough machines with yeah. enough packets going at your environment, there's not much you're going to be able to do. That's true to a point. Now, this, this goes to what sort of the, the standard business model on the Internet is. And it's all build a monolithic service. The way around this is to have a completely distributed service. Think of a peer-to-peer network, which tends to be hard. Well, a good example maybe is uh, something like Skype. Right. Um, and now Skype has has you know peers that are that are well known, super peers, and you can knock them out. And there are ways to to attack Skype, I'm sure. But the, you know, just ignoring that, looking at the way that that system works. I mean, when one person calls another person, the the data goes directly from that one person to the other. And if you're trying to take down that system, the only thing you can really take aim at aside from one of the people on the network, is some centralized node. But there are ways to make distributed networks that have no decentralized, that have totally decentralized nodes, no centralized node. Uh, so there are ways around this. And I think, you know, the, the internet in 10, 15 years is going to look a lot different. It's going to be much, much more of a distributed infrastructure than it is today, I would argue. So yeah, I, I think, think it will have to be. Yeah, I think because these kinds of things like happened yesterday, I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be more of those, and there's and the impact because everybody is everybody's business is affected now when there's a big outage. There's almost no business anymore that isn't, even if it's just as simple as email, uh, as an application. There's almost no business that isn't living off of what comes through email. Yeah. And if you can't get that for three or four hours in a day, that yeah, could be a, that's, that's a killer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so no I think question. having ways, you know, I think you mentioned Skype. The other, the other one I was thinking about when you when you talked about peer to peer, the I think one of the more famous ones was BitTorrent. Napster. Yeah, or BitTorrent. Bit, yeah, yeah, sure. BitTorrent's another one. Yeah, but those those guys, uh, Bitcoin would be another one. Bitcoin is very interesting. Yeah, that is true. And here's another one. I don't know if it's still. It probably still does exist. But there was a there was a network, uh, a distributed, decentralized web, essentially. And uh, I I forget it was called Tor or something I don't know. Anyway, it was a uh, a distributed file system that you could make requests from. And in order to make the requests, you had to become part of the network. And which, of course, in this scenario, means you're you're pretty much guaranteed that some packets on your computer have something to do with something illegal. You know, there's like child porn on your computer or whatever because of this, I'm sure, right? But uh, it, it and then for those reasons, it's 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 horrible. But you know, in terms of building a let's say just a website that's totally decentralized, something where you are visible and and available as long as at least some nodes on the net on the network have the data that you're interested in. These kinds of things, I think are, you know, they're, they're sort of uh, little projects that are on the fringe now and, and uh, you know, are, are very decried because of the type of content that's on them. But the fundamental core, the core technology, and same is kind of true of Bitcoin, it's very much a fringe player. Um, these things will be the way that you do things in the future. Right. And it's just a question of, of these networks gaining critical mass and, and taking off. And really the only one that has is, is really BitTorrent, uh, which, which for many years accounted for you know, 60%, 70% of the traffic on the, the internet. Um, all, of course, sharing illegal movies and all this kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. sure. But yeah. uh, you know, I, I, there, there are ways to make this work in a you – know, if you have a distributed payment system, you have a distributed content network, I mean you can obviously make a, uh, an actual business out of that. Um, so there are ways to do it. The ideas are there. It's just not the standard way people build services yet. Uh, yeah. I, I think it will be. Yeah, and I think what the lesson to be learned – from yesterday's outage, aside from not putting all your eggs in one basket, is to make sure that as a company that you've got a strategy for, you know, if your primary DNS drops offline, yeah, you know, where where's the, the secondary DNS provider needs to be somewhere else. Yeah. You know, that just doing those kinds of things where you're you're leveraging and hedging and making sure that you don't have all of your services coming from the same spot or in any way, and that could be DNS, that could be you know mail, could be whatever, but just thinking about ways that you can hedge against this kind of thing and you know bring up another instance of your website or another way to get mail or whatever those things are in a in a situation where it's out of the you know outside of the norm that yeah. you put, so that you can keep going. I think it's just worth for our listeners, I think that's the takeaway is, you know, pay attention, do some research, you know, ask questions of people who know if your business relies on being online, then you cannot just let you cannot let what happened yesterday just kind of go by. And even if you weren't affected and say, oh, well, that will never happen to me because it's almost guaranteed that your that yeah. stuff is going to pick up rather than go away. 
Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know, you can also point to outages on uh, Amazon for the same kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really does make sense to distribute these things. It is more complicated and you there is a calculus there you have to do. Look, this may make sense in this case, but not in that. Uh, and uh, there is just unfortunately an overwhelming uh, uh, pile of misinformation on this kind of thing. Uh, the type of things that's, oh, we'll just throw a firewall in there and then it'll be satisfied. So you really have to talk to people who really understand the technology and don't be afraid to ask direct questions about, okay, what if we lose this? And what if we lose that? And understand what your exposure is. It's really a, there is a very simple matrix that you can compile. And I do think it makes sense to go through these things and at least have the discussion. I think that's our show for this week. Thanks again for listening. If you've got uh, anything to say, we'd love to hear from you. Post comments on our website at 353rd.com. And of course, we love comments, good or bad, on, but we love good on iTunes. <laughs> And uh, your reviews there help us to help other listeners to find this show, and we really appreciate it. Uh, We will see you next time on 353rd. Thanks for listening.